Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 1130 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Happy Labor Day weekend. Hope you all are being safe, but also enjoying uh, your time. Hopefully you all have taken some time off because Labor Day actually is about taking time to uh just celebrate the labors that people put forward. Um, it was founded in um, eighteen, I think it's eighteen eighty-two. I'm trying to pull up the stuff again. Um, in in New York, and I'll get you some more information. Now we'll be posting on G's Power Hour Facebook page. But I had to say, okay, how do you really rest from your labors? And so I invited back Dr. Cheryl Hobbs. And we've had her on before. She is an executive coach and a motivational speaker and so many other things. And she can give us a little insight in terms of what we need to do to kind of just pull back a little bit. Good morning. Good morning. And how are you this morning? I'm well. I am well and blessed and thankful that you are on with us this morning. So, um, you know, I mean, we've got to understand that – you know, there is, you know, yes, labor is, is you know, is good, it's beneficial, is, you know, is to be rewarded. But then also, too, you have to kind of balance it. You can't overdo it. Um, talk a little bit about today's, I guess you could say, laborer and where they are, um, I guess, where they benefit and where they, they don't in terms of how they manage their lives. Some people overdo it, I think. You're absolutely right, G. You know, as you know, I'm a recovering workaholic, and so I practice work-life balance. So with all of my colleagues, I emphasize just that. You've got to have work-life balance in that order, right? Because if you don't, you find yourself in all of these complexities that actually are more damaging than you can even imagine. So I have five reasons why. You should not be overdoing it in terms of working too much, as well as three tips on how, right? So when I think about the why, first of all, you want to refresh your mind. That's the first thing. You cannot, and today's worker is so overworked and they don't even realize it because they become in such a regimen of just doing, 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 and they forget about the productivity part, right, because you're so accustomed Mm -hmm. that i got to get this done. So the first thing I say is refresh your mind. You've got to reset your mind into this new realm of understanding who you are and what your real purpose is. And it's not to work yourself to death. Exactly. I am, like I said, I'm a recovering workaholic, so I know this process. 
Then I think about step two of why. You have to focus on what really matters to you in your life. So depending on what stage of life you're in, it really doesn't matter. A lot of people say, well, the millennials this or, you know, the seniors that. It doesn't matter because when you focus on what really matters to you at that stage of life, then you'll get more balanced because you won't be so involved in saying, I'm going to give all my work and time to this job. Right? So you think about Labor mm-hmm. Day. That's what it is. It's working hard, doing a lot, but yet at the same time, who's suffering the most? The individual. So then I think about step three, right? You need to unravel that tightness that you have become so accustomed to being up until this point so that when you begin to unravel, you begin to become more aware of who you really are. And when you face that individual, at first you may not even know them or you may not like them. But as you begin to practice how and why it's important for you to get off of the treadmill of working too hard, then you become aware of, wait a minute, this is who Cheryl really is. This is who G really is, and I like her now, right? Because now mm-hmm. you're putting some balance into that process. So then the fourth thing is that basically you need to work on your relationships. And maybe the most important relationship is the one with yourself. I look mm-hmm. at this girl, myself, Cheryl Hobbs, every morning in the mirror, and I say to her, girl, You're the best thing that everybody is waiting to hear and see today. And I believe that. And if I did not believe that, then my day would already be started out in defeat. So you have Mm. to talk to that person, building that relationship of yourself and your awareness of who you are. You know, there's a, a saying that, you know, examine your body. Well, examine your mind departmentalize every component that's there in your mind so that as you become more aware of who you are, now you've got that solid relationship, and then you can give your more all to someone else. So now you've worked on yourself, you're inviting others in, and now for ladies or men who are waiting for that significant other, now you've opened yourself up to, you know what, I like me. And I want you to like me too. So work on your relationships. And then five, a reason why, is to restore that balance in all matters concerning you. It could be with your children. It could be with your significant other. It could be any relationship or matters that you are involved in a day-to-day basis. Restore that balance. Prioritize them. So those are the reasons why. You know, I, I think there's just so much pressure um i mean and i'm guilty of it i mean and, and for me i think some of it's self-imposed and for most of it, it may be uh and then we have to re-examine some things but trying to put i always say trying to put uh 10 pounds of potatoes in a five pound bag um there is this <laughs> there's <laughs> there is this um I I would say pressure, and it may not necessarily be spoken, but it's alluded to that, you know, you need to work X amount of hours. You know, 40 hours isn't enough anymore. You need to you need to work more hours. And not only do you need to work more hours, you need to be, be available all the time in case I call you, <laughs> you know. And how dare so, you take all of your vacation time? And how dare you take sick time off? And what are you what are you doing with this time that you needed off so badly? Um, and, and so, it, I mean, we we seem to be under, uh, you know, a lot of scrutiny when it comes to us wanting to 
reward ourselves for the work that we do, you know, even though <laughs> the time is there. It's ours. We earned it. So you bring up a good point, G, when you talk about pressure. And what comes to mind is a pressure cooker, right? So a pressure mm-hmm. cooker, back in the day, you used to hear these horror stories about, you know, putting a corned beef in a pressure cooker and all of a sudden it explodes and, and everything in the house, you know, goes haywire, right? Well, that's the same mm-hmm. thing it is with us. And what we have to do is control our environment, right? You are mm-hmm. the author of yourself, and you cannot allow others to be the author of who you are. Yes, there's this new norm in some respects, but you've got to get off that cycle. And I'm going to give you an example. Now, my daughter, she's 37, she's a millennial, and um, she just started a brand-new job. And so the mindset for them and with her is that, you know, I'm still in training. Now, this is a very high-powered job, um, and she is really – she could really succumb to what I did as becoming a workaholic, that cycle of do more, get more done, and make sure that everybody appreciates and loves it. Well, this young lady just started this job two weeks ago, and so they said, well, you know, we think you're ready to go out into the field. She says, but I'm not ready yet. She says, I think I need some more training. See, already she's conditioning their mindset to understand these are my parameters, these are the barriers that I have set, because at the end of the day, I want to go home to my children and to my husband. So when you set those parameters early on in a job, right, you just start, then now you're conditioning them to understand that, yes, you hired me because I am that professional. But I'm not a professional because I work eight hours or 50 hours in one day. I'm a professional because I get the job done. And that's what we Mm -hmm. have to condition our employers to understand. Are you talking about quantification or are you talking about qualification? See, if I give you a quality job and I'm helping the bottom line to move upward, then I'm successful. Just the same is if I'm giving you all of these extra hours, that really doesn't mean I'm productive at all. It just means that I'm giving you what you think you need. So we have to recondition our employer's mind to understanding you need me to take time off for myself in order for me to give you what you're expecting me to produce for you. So once we set those parameters, and even it goes back to relationships, once you become comfortable with you and understanding who you are in this process, you won't allow anyone else to dictate anything other than that for you because you will say, "Uh, no. This far, but no further, and be okay with that, and helping them to understand why it is necessary. So that becomes, you become the coach. Like I'm a coach for business executives. You become the coach of yourself as well as your employer to help them to understand. Now, you put those PTOs in for us to be able to take, and here's where Mm -hmm. I need to take them. Because you gave them to me, I deserve them, and there's a reason why even the government says you have to give me an allowance of so many of those. So it becomes a mind shift and change that people have to become comfortable with, but it starts with the girl or the man that's standing in the mirror looking at themselves. Be comfortable with yourself, build that relationship first, then you can go in any place and say, this far but no further. Uh, we've got a few minutes. I want to talk about what should employers do to, to make their employees feel appreciated and not threatened. Because there's this all there's always this thing that in the back of your mind is like, well, you know, if, if I don't do this, they're going to get somebody else. 
um, even if I am doing, you know, my best. So uh, how do we get employers to kind of help employees, you know, feel a little less tense about the stat- their status in terms of, of you know, being a, a valued employee? Very good point, G. You know, so I teach and coach diversity, equity, and inclusion. And part of that, when I'm talking with employers, I'm helping them to understand part of inclusiveness is also allowing individuals to be themselves as they are saying, this is my work-life balance that you must help me to install in the workplace and look out for me right? Like we are looking out for every other part of diversity or equity. We have to think about that other inclusiveness, and that is the parameter of giving me the work-life balance choice of saying, I can't do this any further, but yet I am a valued employee, and yet I am going to serve you well. But give me that space and room, and it's called trust, If you value me, then you'll trust me, and if you trust me, then you will allow me to get the job done that I know and you know that I'm capable of doing. And so when we think about those performance reviews, right, and a lot of times we Mm -hmm. become very intimidated by those performance reviews, but at the same time, use it as a two-way dialogue conversation that says, you know what? I am not going to allow myself to be distracted by false expectations, but what I am going to do is I'm going to deliver on every promise that I've given to you that I'm capable of doing. And so as you're building that trust factor with them, now you're becoming more inclusive. And as I teach employers, I help them to understand why it's going to be better for them in the long term. Because otherwise, if we do not look at people as being valued and trusted, then that continual cycle of quitting on the job, even though I come to work every day, right, I'm present, Mm -hmm. but yet I'm not present, right, Um, Mm -hmm. or I have basically just walked away because now I haven't given you a two-weeks notice, so who wins in the long term? It's not going to be the employer. So I help employers to understand You need to learn to trust your employees. When they tell you they need to do this, let them do it. In fact, why don't you say to them, and I think I talked about this on the show earlier, you like to go to Mm -hmm. DSW, why don't you know your employees well enough to say, hey, gee, listen, I like those pairs of shoes that you had on yesterday. How about you go get you another pair on me? You see, Mm -hmm. we talk about retention. We talk about value. I need to find that employer. (laughs) But listen, listen, this is my mission. This is my goal to help the employer to understand. You want to retain Uh your employees that you know are profiting you from that before that bottom line? You've got to see them where they are and appreciate them. And so it's called I see you before you see yourself. Gee, you Mm -hmm. need to take some time off. You need to take the rest of the day off, and it's okay. And I know I don't need anything in return. So when we build those type of expectations, then now you've got an employee who really feels valued. Ooh, we needed more time for this. We're going to have to have, to have you back on even after Labor Day because we got, we got to get this right. Maybe hmm, New Year's resolution. I feel one coming on. <laughs> hey, let's do it. <laughs> hey, let's do it. So anyway, how can people get in contact with you? So my website is victoryeducationalsolutions.com, and I am Dr. Cheryl Hobbs. My phone number that you can reach me at is 313-354-4013, and I'm on standby to help and support you to getting that work-life balance and not become a workaholic. 
Thank you, Dr. Hobbs, and have a wonderful and blessed Labor Day weekend. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. And you too. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. Thank you. We got a lot to talk about. That's why we started the show at 11 o'clock today, because there's other stuff, and I'm not going to get to everything, but uh, this month is Sickle Cell Awareness Month, and we are going to have the head of Tri-County Sickle Cell here in Central Florida to talk with us when we come back. The number, if you have questions or comments, is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And thanks again to Dr. Cheryl Hobbs, who's trying to talk us workaholics down from the ledge um, and trying to get us uh, in the right frame of mind. And we're going to have her back again soon. In the meantime, like I said, September this month is Sickle Cell Awareness Month. And the theme is Sickle Cell Matters this year. And we are grateful to have the head of Tri-County Sickle Cell Ella Carter's on with us this morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for taking the time out to join us today. Really appreciate it. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about Tri-County Sickle Cell and and how it started, how long it's been around? Well, Tri-County's been around in Orlando for um, almost 43 years. Um, We help our local local clients who have sickle cell anemia, sickle cell trait. Um, we like to give information to people in the community to know more about our about sickle cell. Always referred to as a black disease, but it's not. Other ethnic mm-hmm. groups have it, and a lot of people don't know that. So what we do, we like to have awareness, um, do different events in the community to help people to understand the illness. So um, now, how did you get involved? Do you have the trait or disease, or was, is it someone that you know that has the trait or disease? Yes, I have the disease myself. And so can you talk a little bit about the challenges of someone that is living with sickle cell trait or disease? Yes. Um, well, with sickle cell, um, you have different um what they call pain crisis. Each person is totally different how they deal with their own um, situations, you know. Um, It's complicated. Uh, You have where some days you don't feel like getting up to do anything. Um, If you out and about, shortness of breath, um, things of that nature. Also, um, when you have, you just don't know when you have a pain crisis. You could be out having a nice time and all of a sudden it just hits you. And you try to manage your pain at home, but where it gets too unbearable, so you have to go to the ER and get your pain met. There's different kinds of uh, medications for patients, you know, with sickle cell anemia. And um, each person is totally different. 
So uh, how early can a person, let's say, get tested or diagnosed? Um, is it is it something that can be tested, like for a newborn coming in, you know, in terms of, let's say, a battery test to see what, you know, that particular child might encounter? Or is it something that develops later and you just end up with a symptom um, and that's how you find out that you have it? Can you talk a little bit about, uh, let's say, how, how you found out you had it? My mom found out I had it at first. Um, there is a test for it. Uh, they do newborn screenings now. Um, mm-hmm. So when a child is born, they do a blood test and see if you have sickle cell anemia or sickle cell trait. And um, they, some years back, they didn't do the newborn screenings, but now they're doing it more often for every ch- every new child that's born. So once you find out, you know, you'll get a letter saying if your child has sickle cell anemia or sickle cell trait, and then um, your doctor will walk you through that. Now, some doctors are, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Some doctors are not up to date on on the illness. Some are just Mm -hmm. still using the old textbooks from back in the day. But it's more treatments, you know, new medications now. So, you know, parents, you know, if you have a child, get tested. If you find out later in life, you know, you start to have the symptoms are, you know, fatigue, um, shortness of breath. You know, some patients cannot walk, you know, just they're always tired, their legs, their joints are hurting. You can go to the doctor, ask them to do a blood test, and you can find out that way. Okay. So what's the difference between having the trait and having the full-blown disease? Now, the difference between that with the full-blown disease, you know, like I said, you have pain crisis, um, Mm -hmm. you know, your body, your joints are hurting. With the trait, you don't have those symptoms, but some people are beginning to have that, like athletes, when you overdo it too much. So, you know, the athletes need to get tested too. The schools need to have, um, with anyone in school, you know, get your little bathroom breaks, your water breaks, so you don't get um, overtired. Yeah, I was going to ask you about certain things like kind of necessary, especially for someone with sickle cell, to stay hydrated, correct? Yes, you got to stay hydrated, yes. Okay. Stay hydrated. You know, you know, when you're in the sun, you know, make sure you have your sunblock on, wear your hat. Don't be out in the sun too long. Mm-hmm. Now, what about, I had a question about flying because I remember I had a friend that uh, had gone into the Air Force and found out that uh, they had, I want to say just a trait, but apparently it kept them from uh, becoming a pilot. I uh, wanted to find out, do you have, are there issues with um, certain situations such as flying or other things? Yes. Um, flying, um, they say we should not fly. If you do, you need to take um, precautions before you fly. Make sure you have your medicine, oxygen if you need. So um, some patients can fly and some cannot because of the altitude. Mm-hmm. It messes with your oxygen level. Okay. And so, All right. so some, now 
I'm not quite sure a reference to becoming an airline pilot. Some, you know, like I said, each person is totally different, so it's based on that person's body. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you mentioned that some doctors are just not trained in terms of how to uh, handle uh, um, uh, patients with the disease. What I wanted to ask you is, have there been any type of real changes, though, that you've seen since the time, you you know, you had it early on that you were diagnosed and today? Anything significant? Actually, no, I haven't really seen that much of a change. It's a learning along the way. Um, some doctors, you know, because there's different terminologies for different things now, how they put it mm-hmm. in is, there's new medications out there that the doctors are using, but what I have seen in my lifetime, no, not that much. Wow, that's a shame. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any types of, um, let's say, push for additional research or, you know, um, what? tell me a little bit about what types of activities Tri-County has um, to generate, I guess, awareness and to get support for um, getting, I guess, additional research and also for helping um, patients? Uh, The research, you know, we have information. We have our monthly meetings. uh, We have a support group we'll be doing um, within two weeks. Um, We will be doing a uh, a -a walk-a-thon, and also we will have a, um, well, it's not in stone yet, but... um, we will be doing a uh, a sickle cell luncheon. Okay. For the, All right. You know, for the clients. Right, right. Well, definitely keep us posted on that because, you know, we want to know if there are ways that, you know, members of the public can help or if there's someone out there that is in need of, of support or assistance. Um, can you tell us how um, uh, our listeners can get in contact with Tri-County Sickle Cell? Yes, our phone number is 321-800-6162. And our office is located at 927 South Goldwyn Avenue, Suite 228. That's Orlando, Florida, 32805. Okay, great. So um, how many people... Uh, you, have you found that come to you uh, on a regular basis? Uh, because, I mean, like I said, you, it's not necessarily something that you know a lot of people that have it, but when you know someone that has it, you know that they're suffering tremendously um, with it. So how many people do well, you, you usually see? I'm sorry, go ahead, please. Oh, no, oh, no, no, no problem. Uh, we'll see about between 20 about 20 people that comes through the office, you know, we'll counsel them, whatever they need. Uh, we'll help them, you know, with information, resources, where mm-hmm. to go to see different doctors. Okay. And so, and then also I, I would suspect that the the primary person for someone with sickle cell would be finding a good hematologist that deals with yes. uh, blood disorders, correct? Yes. Okay. So we're going to see if we can um, get a list of, of hematologists that, uh, are, you know, have experience dealing with sickle cell 
and try to get that posted on the G's Power Hour Facebook page uh, sometime soon. But I appreciate you taking the time out this morning and just give, giving us an update, letting people know that Tri-County is out there. And, uh, you know, we wish you the best with your individual uh, battle as well as your efforts with Tri-County Sickle Cell. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good day. You have a you too. Have a blessed day and enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And by the way, y'all, um like I said, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um we have our first hurricane in the Atlantic of the season, Hurricane Danielle. Okay, became a hurricane this morning. Uh, yes, lovely to welcome Danielle on Labor Day weekend. But, um, you know, we just got to be careful, that's all. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to, at least right now, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a, a hit in terms of landfall. It's going to be out in the Atlantic, but um, uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, they, it's, uh, let's see, between 75 and 85, excuse me, 75 and 80 miles an hour and expected to strengthen into a Category 2 storm. So we will keep an eye out on it. And when we come back, we will talk with our economist. It's first Friday of the month. You know we have Paul Z. Shelton on, and so make sure you stay with us. The number, if you have questions or comments, 516-387-1944. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We've got not one, but two economists on this morning because we're also talking a little bit of sports economy. So we have Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore, and we have uh, Dr. Professor Victor Matheson, College of the Holy Cross. You know, he's been on before with us uh, talking sports. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing? Neither one of them are on, Gretchen. We're waiting on them. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I spoke, I know Paul, I don't know where Paul is. Uh, I know I spoke with him this morning, um, and I don't know where Victor is. So we, that's okay. That's okay. Let me see. Let me find. I, I, I can do some of this. I'm not an expert, but I can read. Um, there's, there's a jobs report out there somewhere. How are you, Princess? I'm doing really good. Thank you for asking. Good, good, good. You got plans this weekend? Gretchen, just to um, try to catch up on work and um, doing oh. a little bit of service on, on Labor Day. Um, and, you did um, not listen to the first part of the show, apparently. <laughs> it is college football weekend tomorrow, Saturday. 
I know. I will partake I in everything college football. Okay. Go USF Bulls. That's that's, <laughs> that's all I gotta say. <laughs> Go Bulls. Oh goodness gracious. Okay. So while we're waiting on the the uh gentleman that, that has the information on about them. Oh okay. Good morning. Hello. Hi there. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? And I and I oh, am excited too. Um, I'll I'll follow up that go Bulls with a go Knights as we have won our first game last night. Mhm. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I I'm I'm happy for them because that is you know my my hometown. But you know you know I'm a I'm a Brahma Bull. Anyway, this is Paul Z. Shelton with Warwick Shore. How you doing? I am doing well, and I'm so happy to be here today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. How are you? Oh, I'm peachy. I'm great. It's it's a it's a weekend. I'm I'm always happy when it's a weekend. Yeah, it doesn't weekend. seem to make much difference. So, well, <laughs> let's get started. Let's talk about the jobs report. Um, over three hundred thousand jobs. Yeah, over 315,000 jobs are um, how we rate them as non-farm payroll jobs that were increased or added to our economy in the month of August, um, which was a very exciting number. Um, there, We saw a very exuberant and exciting number in the month of July, um, which kind of caused some fears in the market because with such a good number, that means that the you know economy is still humming at a very high pace and the possibility of more intervention from the Federal Reserve would be imminent. But this month, we've received a number that was kind of um, hot, but not too hot and not too cold. So it's kind of just right, I guess, that that, that porridge in the middle there, um, at 315,000 jobs added. Therefore, the reaction that we got initially from the stock market was positive. There was an initial, um, there was not initial concern that this would prompt the Federal Reserve to strict corrective action or, you know, i.e., tightening of the monetary policy anymore. So officially, as of right now, our unemployment rate is 3.7% in the U.S., which is higher than what it was, excuse me, by two percentage points in the last month. And I'll explain a little bit as to why that is higher shortly. But very similar to what we've seen um, historically, um, over the last, I would say, five or six months of reading, um, we saw a, a surge in leisure, leisure and hospitality. Um, we saw that this time, too, but not as much as ha- that we have seen thus far this year. The largest gains that we saw um, in the employment industry thus far, or I should say over the month of August, was in professional and business services, healthcare, and retail which is surprising that retail trade that we've seen a lot more um, jobs added into retail as, you know, you and I have talked at least for the last two years about the retail apocalypse that has taken place. But there were, you know, sizable jobs that were gained in that retail industry. Um, We know that travel and leisure is something that, you know, is very strong here in the Central Florida region, but also healthcare is strong. So seeing those gains in the healthcare um, industry really does, you know, bode well for our local economy here. So 
as I mentioned before, the unemployment rate did rise by two percentage points to 3.7%, um, and the number officially of unemployed persons increased by 344,000 to roughly 6 million. So where we are in our economy right now in the business cycle is is very, very textbook on what you would typically see when economy is getting to a point where it's seen full employment. Typically at full employment, um, you're at that, I guess, peak in hiring. So not necessarily saying that we're going to go over the cliff and see a large round of layoffs or things of that nature or that a, a recession is imminent and are coming. Um, there are some other factors out there in the economy that says that potentially a, a recession could be on the way, but we are seeing what the textbook typically defines as full employment. Um, we're at a point where we're seeing a little bit more of an increase in the unemployment rate. We're still at 3.7% is very healthy when you look at it historically. Um, we've also seen an increase in the labor force participation rate. Now, this is what ultimately led to an increase in the uh, unemployment rate. We have more people that have went back to work and that have re-entered the workforce and decided to return and consider themselves um, as a job seeker and being placed in those jobs. So when you have the labor force participation rate increase, that creates an overall good for any economy. Um, because that, that shows that you have more willing participants that are going to feed and funnel into the system and that are going to provide economic growth overall for the system. So I would say in, in summation, um, the, the report came out. Um, it was not as we didn't have the, the plus 500,000 job change like we saw in July, which was a really a grand slam out of the park. But we did see a very good number in the 315,000 jobs that were added that allows us to, to be confident about, you know, where we are in the economy today. Okay. You mentioned non-farm jobs. Uh, mm-hmm. So where is, where's the biggest growth? Did you say retail, correct? Yeah, so retail was a part of it. There were three sectors that had um, sizable growth. It was professional and business services, which are typically, um, you know, those professional services such as, you know, CPA firms, financial firms, attorneys, and things of that nature, those business services, uh, health care, and then retail. Okay. All right. But, okay, but there's still a problem mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. wages are still not keeping up. Okay, wages aren't keeping up. Um, prices are still too high when it comes to housing. You know, the the amount, I and I, I really, every now and then I get a crate. I, 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 you know, I could eat probably fast food every day, but I don't. Um, I'm proud to say that. But every now and then I get a crate and I got to go satisfy that. I got a sandwich today. I was expecting like the meal to be like five dollars and something. The sandwich itself was five dollars and something. And, I'm, and I'm, I was, you know, as I grabbed the bag, I started feeling bad, you know, because I'm like, I'm paying this much for some bad food. I mean, mm. it's not going to do me any good. I mean, it's, it's going to kill the hunger and everything. I mean, it's better than being on an empty stomach. But it, you know, I'm like. This is I'm pay, overpaying for something that is ultimately going to be to my detriment, and, and it's it's you know and I've got you know not as much money to really deal with with that, 
You know, I, I'm so I don't understand, and you have to help me understand. So yeah. I got my money's not growing as fast as everything else, as my gas, as my food, as my housing, and so on, and my clothing, so on and so forth. Why is the Fed increasing rates? Doesn't that do me more harm than good? Uh, so, and that's a very good question. That's a very good call out. Um, one thing that has always been true and evident since the beginning of time and beginning of statistics in this nature is that wage increases never keep up with inflation. Um, unfortunately, they do not keep up with inflation. There is always trails. It always trails inflation. And to a certain extent, um, that's what helps keep market forces of supply and demand um, at equilibrium. So to answer your question and, and to dive deeper in, into that, uh, it, it is a, um, a very, very frustrating thing for Americans to, to deal with higher costs, especially um, when it comes to food and energy. Whenever we look at the data for CPI, which is our Consumer Price Index, which gives us the reading on inflation every month, um, we like to look at core inflation. Now, core inflation is what strips out food and energy because food and energy prices are so volatile and they fluctuate so quickly. We can drive by a gas station today um, and the price could be 350 and, you know, drive down the street tomorrow and see another gas station that says 375. So those, those, you know, quarter changes that we see, although it seems minute and small, when you multiply those quarters over time um, over the, the gallon of a gas, it essentially acts as a de facto tax on the citizens of whichever country you're in, but especially on the citizens of our, our country. So that, you know, pulls away from your disposable income that you're able to use for those fun things such as going out to eat or leisure or things of that nature. Um, unfortunately, <clears throat> when gas prices rise overnight, incomes and salaries do not. Oftentimes, incomes and salaries do not rise um, until maybe a year if you're able to get a raise. I know I've had jobs before where I didn't get a raise, and if I did, it was, you know, spaced out, and it took forever for it to, to come in, and it was little nothing when it did arrive. So mm-hmm. that's always been a uh, a nuisance and a headache, and, a, and understanding, you know, those market forces has always caused a lot of frustration. The stance that the Federal Reserve is taking is, um, looking more so for price stability. The mandate of the Federal Reserve is to, pro- is to provide price stability and full employment. Those are the two mandates that they seek um, on an ongoing basis. Oftentimes, those constructs and the, and the forms that they use to seek those mandates take time for them to fluctuate and be implemented and fully absorbed into the market. So as we're going through the process of raising interest rates, which is a market function that the, the Federal Reserve uses to combat inflation and to combat high energy costs and things of that nature, when we raise interest rates, we are essentially making um, not only the, the cost of um, our assets, commodities, and things more expensive, we're also inflating the cost of the U.S. dollar. So one thing that has happened out of this whole, you know, rate regime that we're in now is that we saw parity, and we've since taken the lead over the euro. Um, So what does that mean for corporations overall? It can be positive and it can be detrimental, whether you're a multinational firm or you're truly just a domestic firm. But on the consumer level, 
if we desire to buy goods that are not made in the U.S., they become cheaper to us. If the United States goes out to other countries, um, if we go over on the other side of the pond and we want to buy goods for them, those goods become cheaper to us to purchase because the dollar is stronger now because of those market forces. As we buy those goods from overseas that are cheaper, um, the hope is and the desire is is that we'll can start to see um, a decay in some of those inflationary prices for things that we've seen over time that have risen, not only just the food and energy prices, which we've seen some of the decay in energy prices from their peaks are right, right around $4.90 in this area, but we've also seen, uh, we also expect and hope to see a decay in some of those tangible goods or some of those, you know, other physical goods that we buy that are outside food and, and um, energy, such as, um, you know, clothing things of that nature, if we're importing cotton or importing other, other products. Hopefully those things will start to, to deflate and come down. Um, at the same time, the, the Federal Reserve, by in, raising interest rates, is looking to slow down um, spending in certain areas. When interest rates are too low, um, we take advantage of it. You know, it's, it's natural. It's a, it's a market nature for us to say interest rates are low, let me borrow more money so I can buy more assets. Um, that's actually a prudent thing to do when you're thinking about it from an investment standpoint. But as we do this over and over again, if we do it at a high rate, um, that will naturally inflate prices and cause that demand that we're having out there will cause prices to inflate. So what the Federal Reserve is trying to do is really pull back and rein in some of that demand um, to adjust those prices. Now, the problem is we don't see prices adjust quickly. Again, it's not like food or it's not like gas prices where they, they're repriced often, weekly, daily. Um, so those forces that are put into place today may not be felt or absorbed into the economy for another six or seven months. So the hopes by the Federal Reserve is that, you know, the, the monetary policy that they're implementing today will help out in the intermediate and long term. Um, even though we're going through a little pain now, we have to do it take the medicine in order to be healthier in the future. So is what they're doing uh, a preventative measure when it comes to a recession, or is this, this, is this really going to, I guess, move us along faster toward a recession? It, like I said, it, 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 as, as average Joe or Josephine, it just doesn't seem to be a helpful thing. And, and then, you know, I mean, you're, asking people, I think, uh, to take on, like, you've got all these other uh, jobs out there that, you know, fast food jobs, you know, other other jobs that really don't, I shouldn't say don't require skill. They do require a, a certain amount of skill, but it's not what necessarily a person goes to college or, or uh, you know, uh, vocational school or whatever for. But there's a plenty Correct. of those out there. You know, and you know, just in order to to pay the increasing cost of of rent or your mortgage and insurance and taxes and and some and homeowners association, all those types of things, uh, increasing in gas, increasing in car prices, um, you know, it's enough to make someone's head really, really about to explode. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, it just seems like you can't get a break. 
Yeah, correct. It, it, it's tough. And, um, you know, it's definitely tough for families, you know, with uh, multiple kids like mine. Mm-hmm. I, my family of six, you know, with four kids, all 11 and under. I love to raid my pantry and refrigerator every day. I can just see dollars <laughs> is running out of it every day. <laughs> it gets, it gets, it gets to be you know very tough. And and you know speaking to that question, are we heading to a recession? Or is what the Fed doing expediting a recession or causing a recession? Um, mm-hmm. if, if you talk to media economists, you know they'll note that we're e- we're always heading to a recession, even if we're coming out of one. Um, you're heading to one. It's just a matter of when you're going to get to that next recession or when you're going to see that economic slowdown. Mm. By theory, technically, uh, we are in a recession. Um, Now, the National Bureau of Economic Research typically waits a year um, after, you know, they receive all the data and they go back and look and say, yes, you know, after receiving all the data, we were in a recession and it started on this particular date. Um, They haven't done that yet. So it hasn't been declared as of now. What we do have is two consecutive quarters of uh, negative GDP growth. So our mm. domestic product has contracted in two consecutive quarters, and every textbook that was written up until it seems like today has says when you have that, you have the classic, classic case of a recession. Um, although it doesn't really feel like a recession because, you know, people are still spending money. You know, we have a lot of, you know, circulation that's going around with M1 and M2 in our economy right now that is creating the feeling that, you know, some people are doing bad, but not everyone is, is essentially struggling as, as bad, you know, as it could be. We don't see but I think it the depends high on who you ask. Yeah, I mean, I think does. it depends on who you yeah. ask. We, we're going through this battle right now where, you you know, you, you're trying to uh, re-in, reinstitute um, rental, um, you know, assistance. Uh, you know, there's this battle in terms of whether or not there should be rent controls. There's a controversy over the um, the uh, student loan forgiveness. I mean, I think it just depends on, you know, how you're doing and, and what side you're on and whether you've gotten the breaks and whether or not, you know, you've been trampled over. <laughs> I, I just, I, you know, I just, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. No, no, no. I apologize. No, not not at all. So, yeah, so I, mean, I, I, I <laughs> sorry about I that. Wrong? I agree with you. No, no, you're not wrong at all. You're not wrong at all because there, there are many people, and, and this is a conversation that I had and, um, you know, with some economists recently from UCF, and, and we discussed um, what is currently going on, you know, economically and in our society right now. And in my opinion, and when I look at the data, what it shows me is that we're potentially going to see a widening of the wealth gap. You know, those that mm-hmm. are struggling and that were struggling before 2020 and that, were, that struggled through the pandemic are far worse off. Those that were able to survive it and, and kind of tread the water are doing okay. And those that were able to, you know, get through the pandemic and not have any hiccups or any disruptions in their income or households or things of that nature, they're truly excelling, and they're being able to to acquire more wealth. Um, So it it stands to see over the next 10 to 15 years the effects of this will lead to us having um, a loss of the middle class, and we just have essentially the upper class, lower class, those that have and those that missed out on opportunity. And it's very unfortunate that it, it it comes down to that 
But in, in my perspective, that is something that I see because not everyone, um, even though we have a very, very low unemployment rate, we still have roughly 6 million that are unemployed, and not everyone that is employed um, are employed to their full potential. We have many people that are underemployed. So it's a, uh, you, you bring up very good points, and, and it is very, very bifurcated, I guess I should say, out there. Paul, I think you need to have your kids take up a, a hobby in terms of picking out seeds and, and finding a pot <laughs> and, or a plot of land and helping you all out with the vegetables in the house. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, seriously. We're going to get some chickens and grow some eggs because they love eggs. So I was like, we need chickens. Oh, I don't know yeah, how we you can get around in the eggs. city. And that that was one of the things that, that was a blessing during the pandemic was that they were saying, hey, you can have, I think, what is it, three chickens you can have or something in your backyard? Uh, but, oh, yeah, chicken coop. Yeah, I, I'll look that up. But, yeah. Um, and also you, you probably need to take advantage of $3 movie day tomorrow. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. by the way, yeah, I want to let everybody know, $3. I'm going to, as soon as I'm done with with Blood Drive tomorrow, I'm going to be in somebody's movie theater for $3, yes, indeed. So, anyway, I wanted to ask you, I did want to go back to the thing about the uh, student loan forgiveness. Um, Why is that so controversial? It looks like you would want to say, oh, good, I'm glad that there's some people. I mean, I I, I got the impression that there are some people who are like, well, you know, I could afford to pay for it. Therefore, I should. I should. You know, I. I'm. I'm okay. You know, why are you? You know, asking for forgiveness. You know, if you shouldn't. Have, I get the impression there's some people out there that are saying, if you couldn't afford to go to school, you shouldn't have gone. You know. Correct. Yeah, and I think that's a standpoint of, um, you know, typically greed is what leads us into some of those negative tenets you know, into society. Um, and it's not the greed of someone that wants higher education, I want to do better, but it's the greed of those that says, hey, if I took care of mine, um, you should be required to take care of yours and not allowed to be able to, to receive assistance for it. Um, that's, you, you know, I'm, I'm of the camp of this student loan forgiveness, though it could be costly and potentially could weigh in on inflation down down the line in the future. But Mm -hmm. this is something that has been noted as a pressing issue um, for for this country. Um, You know, there's reform that needs to be done, you know, in in various levels on educational funding, in in my opinion. But Mm -hmm. this helps out the economy as a whole economically. If you look at the impact of how student loans underwrite the bottom line, the balance sheet of, of many families nowadays, it really restricts some of the luxuries and, and necessities, not just luxuries, but necessities that are needed, you know, in a family because of the student loan debt. And looking at the debt as, you know, one caveat, but also looking at you know, the education around that student loan debt, oftentimes, you know, and I don't have the percentages on this, but I see it a lot in my office. Oftentimes people fall past due on that student loan debt and that one missed payment or past due payment or, you know, if you, you know, apply for forbearance and things of that nature, 
will plummet mm-hmm. your credit rating. It will plummet your credit rating immediately. And that will put you into a stance and a posture to where you will always be the servant. You will always be the servant to that dollar. You'll, it makes it that much harder for you to have uh, the potential to acquire wealth, to gain wealth, and, and to grow the capacity of your family in the way that you want to generationally when it comes to wealth. So I think this is a step to help kind of reset um, and, and help many people. For many Americans, it's going to be, you know, an elimination of debt altogether. For others, it's going to be some good breathing room that's needed. Um, I, I always, because I just love um, the topic of finance and educating people on it, I always lobby for as you receive this assistance, it will be great to, to provide education and assurance, um, assurance so that we don't fall back into these traps again and so that we can educate the next generation and generations to come um, how to prudently use your finances and debt as we're getting into this. But I don't fault anyone for going to school to better themselves and, and taking and financing, you know, that venture and, you know, in the ways that they may do so. Um, nor do I feel jealous that I pay back my, some of my student loans and somebody else may be able to get, you know, their slate wiped clean. You know, we're all blessed in different forms and different tenants at different times. You know, if I, if I can afford to, to pay it and I paid it, that's the way that God saw fit for me to do it. And that's how I personally feel, and that's what I personally believe. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, you know, if if you are doing so well and you could, yeah, and congratulations to you um, not begrudging anyone that can afford to pay off their loan, but if you can afford to do it, then maybe give somebody a, a hand up, you know, um, not, you don't necessarily have to pay their loan, but let's say you know somebody that could, um, you know, help them get a job, you know, a better job, you know, based on the fact that they do have the college degree. And maybe then if they can get that better job, maybe then they can pay off their own loan, you know, but do something other than just criticize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, and that's, that's horrible, you know, to criticize and, and to talk about it because I've heard people on both sides of the camp um, do that, uh, you know, criticize and, and, and talk about it, which isn't helpful. You know, the one thing that mm-hmm. is, is true, when, an, when a society has more education, um, it's going to acquire more wealth, and it's going to be better for the overall good of all those within that society. So pursuing the education is something that is paramount, and also, you know, something that I've mentioned before, too, um, mm-hmm. in addition to, you know, the student loan relief, what, what can we do from a, a legislative standpoint or what can we do on that corporate standpoint to allow corporations to be able to say in tandem with your retirement account, in tandem with a 401k plan or 403b plan, um, give employers in that employee an option to say, can I, you know, accept some retirement funding or a match from my company or instead can I defer my match in a tax-deferred manner or in a, ta- in a manner where I won't have taxation to pay off my student loans. And if companies and corporations can do that, if someone is, is, is making uh, 50000 a year and they're contributing to a, their 401K plan and they're getting a match, and that 6% match, can they elect to say, can I take some of this match and put it towards my student loans? Um, 
that that match could very well be, you know, $2,500 a year. What does that $2,500 do, you know, when it goes to that student loan? It potentially takes care of that full payment on that student loan. So it allows corporations to buy into it and be able to help pay down the student loans. And at the same time, it'll get the mindset of those employees engulfed into the behavior of, I want to stick with this employer. And we won't see some of the tenants that we've seen recently with people jumping jobs and it's been harder for the labor market to stick around. We didn't have things like this that took place when there was pensions there because people believe that if I was going to receive a pension, I want to stay with this company so that I can do so. So, you know, there's there's many ways that I think, you know, um, we can get help um, from Washington, you know, to help pursue some of these things and make their overall economic situation better. Um, it's just a matter of, Greed not getting in, in the way. We are here with economist Paul D. Shelton of Warwick Shore. Um, uh, Victor Matheson will be on with us in another time. He had a, a family issue he had to deal with. Um, he apologized. Um, and coming up, because we all are not going to be here live on Monday because we actually want to uh, rest from our labors just a little bit. Uh, I'm having Jabir Najir join us after the break. So um, if you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event, Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast, let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faith, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720, Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Good afternoon and welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Because there's so much going on right now, we started the show about a half hour early at 11 o'clock. We want to thank Dr. Cheryl Hobbs for joining us then and also uh, Ella Carter from Tri-County Sickle Cell Anemia. It is Sickle Cell Awareness Month. There is a blood drive tomorrow. Please try to come and, and either donate or show support. It's po- posted on the G's Power Hour Facebook page, so please go take a look there. It's also on Eventbrite. So um, we are talking the economy with Paul Z. Shelton, the war we're short, but we also have our Mortgage Monday guru, Jabir Najir, joining us. How are you, Jabir? Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> Good afternoon, Gretchen. Thanks for having me on uh, this Friday afternoon for our uh, Work Monday. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a little bit off, but uh, we're just going to do a quick catch-up on what's going on in the mortgage industry. And and, um, always great to have you and Paul on to give perspective on what's going on and with that and how that affects the economy. So uh, 
Devir, what's going on with the rates and what's going on with the programs? Okay, so with the rates, the rates, we've had a a pretty sharp increase in rates over the last week, basically now. And that really came after uh, Powell made, uh, he spoke last week in Jackson Hole. And it just gave the outlook in regards to what the Fed plan to do in the future um, when it comes to rates. So, yes, we did have some great news last month where the inflation number, the, the inflation did decrease, so that was definitely a good sign. But he basically said, hey, just because inflation decreases doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to slow up on increasing the rates. They said that they're going to continue to increase until the job is done. So the job is not done, so they're not going to take their foot off the pedal just because there was a good month last month. So has in response to that, even though the feds did not increase, make an increase, they will make an increase in their next, um, at their next meeting. The mm-hmm. markets did react and the interest rates did increase. So I do not recall where we were here last time that we spoke. I feel like we were maybe around a five and a quarter, maybe five and a half for conventional mm-hmm. loan last time we spoke. And now as of today, the average is 6%. So oh. we're up, uh, between a half a point to three quarters of a point in just that short of a period of time. Wow. And it's just, you know, if anybody has, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, now, and that you know, in, my, in my voice. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you. So, can you break down, like, approximately, let's say, on a loan of three hundred thousand dollars, which I know people are like, "What?" You know, I mean, there was a time when we were saying we were balking at the fact that the um, an affordable home was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And, and and now I think it's even more. So let's just deal with three hundred thousand dollars. So let's say how much more are we looking at per month when we're talking about uh, let's say five point seven five or something or five percent versus six percent? Okay, so at six percent on a three hundred thousand dollar loan amount, you're looking at approximately eighteen hundred dollars. Um, at five percent. Example, and that's uh, and let, at, wait wait wait. Let's be clear. That's just on the mortgage, right? That's not yes, including taxes. That's, that's not including insurance and and, other, and HOAs and other types of stuff that go along with that. That's just principal and interest. Correct. Right. This is just strictly principal and interest. So depending on where you're purchasing a home, uh, the tax and insurance can vary. But just throwing out a number. On three hundred thousand, uh, you could add approximately another five hundred dollars, you know, give or take, um, for taxes and insurance, and, and mortgage mm. insurance if you're not putting down the twenty percent. Mm. So, yeah, so that just lets you know where we're at. So that eighteen hundred is at six percent, where if you're looking at a um, a five percent, that payment would be sixteen ten. Now, mm. let's just say we're talking four months ago. No, at this point, I guess five months ago, uh, mm-hmm. five to six months ago, where, you know, we we're giving out two point, I mean, I'm sorry, 3.25. I mean, mm-hmm. we did have some two points at one point, but let's go with the mm-hmm. 3.25. Uh, the payment would be 1300 So if you are purchasing the same home at the same purchase price uh, as a friend did six months ago, 
they're paying $1,300 without taxes and insurance, and you'll be paying $1,900 without taxes and insurance. Gosh, I'm glad I refinanced. Um, so let's, let's still be clear, though. Um, you can still, you know, look at buying a house now because, first of all, we don't know what the rates, what will happen with the rates. But if the rate, if the rates go up, then you, you know, locked yourself into a good position. If the rates go back down, then you can at some point refinance. But it's just a matter of getting something that works for you and your family and locking it in so that, uh, and like I always, uh, my pitch usually comes out around this time about buying a house for Christmas. Don't you want to be in a home with your Christmas tree, you know, around uh the 25th of December, I know I, I'm always happy to, to be pulling out the tree and, and decorating and stuff like that. It's just it's just another thing that makes home feel like home, you know. Yes, no. But, uh, definitely. Yeah. So, um, so, Paul, how does – so with this increase in the mortgage, how does, how does that impact the economy from your perspective? So increases in mortgage rates, um, from my perspective, it, it should, you know, create market forces to derive equilibrium between supply and demand, uh, meaning that as interest as prices go up, we tend to consume less. So those interest rates, if they get to that level where they're too high, um, we should see demand stymie off, which we did see somewhat of demand stymie off when it came to mortgages, but rates have not ballooned out of control, especially if you look at where rates are today and go back to a different economic regime of, you know, the 1980s, mm-hmm. you know, 1990s mm-hmm. and things of that nature. So I think from that standpoint, we're not going to see a significant decrease um, or a significant fluctuation, in, not in the short term, on, you know, demand and, and supply when it comes to, you know, the, that increase in, in mortgage rates. I would say um, – Subsurface, when you look at other other things, if you look at families that are looking to, you know, expand or do additions on their homes, they could potentially, you know, shift some of those decisions. If someone's looking to add a pool and, you know, tap into their home with a HELOC, that may, you know, potentially change some things in that, that nature um, if it shifts too much one way or the other. Um, you potentially could see that too. When it comes on the other end, and it wouldn't necessarily just be mortgage financing, but it could be on a commercial side with some businesses, um, we could see some adjustments in the demand in that respect. Now, let me ask this, and uh, either one of you can jump in. Um, This is just me speculating, but is it part of the problem right now with the housing market uh, having to do with, um, I guess it, the shift in terms of where people are moving, but also, not only that, but also builders, I think, and, and I'm not trying to alienate any builders, but I think there are some cases where builders are pulling back in terms of the number of homes they, they make available, okay? Um, if, if, it makes, if it makes it seem like the supply is low, then, you know, then they can get more because there's this, you know, mad dash to try to grab what's out there. So I I think in some ways the builders are having an effect on 
the high cost of, of houses and, you know, the, the rates going up. Am I wrong with this? Well, I'll Anybody? jump in here. I think that, yeah, no problem. I'll jump in here. So in regards to the builders, um, well, I guess you start with the with people moving. Um, so there there's a shortage. I, I guess it depends on what area you're you're located in. But but when it comes to the builders, mm -hmm. I'm not. There are a lot of builders who currently have concerns about not being able to sell the homes that are going to be coming to market in the near future. That that mm -hmm. that's just due to affordability. Interest rates are higher. It costs the builder a certain dollar amount to build a home, so they have to make a profit. So I think that when it right. comes to the homes, yeah, so when it comes to but, what they can actually sell the home for. They, but my thing is this, okay, we know, we see, in especially in this area, most developers, they buy a huge plot of land. They tear down a number of trees that they don't need to tear down, but they do it, and, you know, that's another story. Um, but they tear down all these trees. They had, they raised all of this area for houses to be built, and instead of, and I know there were some issues with regards to supplies. However, there's, I, I get the impression that um, they, could have, they could have built some of these houses while, while it cost less and people could afford them than just building a few, you know, we're going to build a few at a time and then release them and then we'll build a few more at a time and then we'll release them, you know, and it's like every few months they do that and it seems like every few months they're scratching out the, the previous uh, cost of the home and, and they they had to up the price of the home. I mean, rather than just going ahead and say, okay, we've got this land, we you know, we're, we're going to use as, many, as much of the materials as, as we have um, within our disposal and we're just going to go ahead and build these houses um, because we know there's a need out there, you know, uh, and not necessarily yeah. try to gouge people so much. All right. I think that, I think let's go back to 2019. I know that there was at one point in 2019 where, yes, there was a shortage of, of inventory out there. Nothing like how it is now, of course. I think COVID mm -hmm. came along and then you have a bunch of money that just got dumped on the economy, like trillions of dollars that just got, pushed into the economy, and then we have people that are moving from, you know, from state to state. And I'm not even just moving to the city next door. They're moving across mm -hmm. the country where there are certain cities that were hot cities, your Miamis, your Orlandos, your Tampa. Uh, right, and it's tech, not just you know, they're moving from other parts of the country. They're moving from other countries, too. And they move from other countries. So mm -hmm. we go from having a little bit of a shortage in inventory to having a huge shortage. That's, that's also due to where somebody may have actually purchased one or two homes or like, actually I need 10 homes now. And people, because you have investors that are jumping in the market based on speculation. So the, mm. there's a lot of money. Every, everybody has money. They believe the homes prices will continue to go up forever. So because of that, because of that, well, I was going to say fact, because of that thought, they're like, Hey, actually I'll take 10 homes instead of two. And home. Now there's a shortage in homes. So they can actually charge people more for rent because people need a place to live mm -hmm. because people are more from outside the state. And it just becomes this whole snowball effect. So the builders, they just, now they're behind. They're like, actually, now we really can sell a bunch of homes, but there is a supply chain issue. So now it's costing the builders even more for these materials where, yes, you are right. 
if they attacked this in 2018, 17, 18, and 19, we may, may not have this issue, but because this demand literally came out of nowhere, the builders just didn't have time to catch up the supply chain issue. That's probably one of the biggest things is the supply chain. And then I think that for some builders, once you do have materials, you could increase the prices and you could just blame everything on supply chain. You know, as a matter of trying to buy bike tires, uh, dishes for your kitchen, you just blame it on supply chain and uh, push the prices up. So, Jabir, before you go, any any last um, insight in terms of what's going to happen over the next month or so? Are we going to see more of an increase in the rates, or are are they going to? Do you think they'll slide down a little bit? Um, you know, that is definitely a hard question uh, to mm. to answer because things could go either way. Um, right now, I would say that it seems as if the rates would continue to go up, but you know, the next report may come out and inflation's lower and, you know, job, well, I guess job reports just came out. So, um, but let's say the next uh, report that the unemployment increases and maybe the Fed may say, okay, you know what? The economy just can't handle another three quarter point increase. Uh, maybe we'll only do a half a point, but that's just if they believe the economy can't handle another three quarter point. Or they may say, you know what, things are still hot, and instead of three-quarters of a point, we may do a full point. I, I just don't think there's any way to really tell until the reports come mm-hmm. out and see what the feds – you know, that's just my opinion, at least, until the feds, yeah. the report comes out and the feds will actually tell us what their intentions are based on the report. But if you're asking as of today, yes, there's a good chance that rates will go up over the next month. Jabir, thanks so much. I appreciate you um, sliding in today, and we'll talk to you again next month. Have a blessed evening. All right, thanks. Look blessed, forward blessed to it. Weekend. You too. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. So when we come back, Paul, we're going to catch up on some other things going on with the economy. So um, if you all have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Hi, I'm Tim Garrison. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the arc with you. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, on KHAM Radio. Are you? Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us this Labor Day weekend. Um, We are here with Paul D. Shelton, Jr. of Warwick Shore. And the number, if you have questions in a few minutes that is left, 516-387-1944. Labor Day weekend, what kind of impact is that having, you think, Paul? Uh, Well, hopefully it'll have a positive impact on the economy. I know there's a 
there still is a desire and appetite for us to us as a whole, um, you know, globally to get out and enjoy life. You know, there's just been so much that has gone on over the last two years. Um, hopefully, people are able to get out and and enjoy uh, enjoy life, which would lean towards you know more spending and you know more economic generation in our economy, which would be good for the overall economy. So. Um... What um, should we be looking at over the next month? Um, if the Fed does raise, how much do you think it will raise and what do you think will be the, I guess you could say, domino effect? Yeah, and I, I agree with Jabril on that. Um, I think that, you know, at, at a at a minimum, as a floor, there will be 50 basis points. Um, they have postured for 75 basis points uh, as far as the raise is going. and um, it's very possible that they will stick to that 75 basis points, at least through this next um, upcoming FOMC meeting. Uh, and I, I think, you know, a, a catalyst, you know, for either direction, a catalyst for us to to um, to stick with it would be if the economy stays as it is now. Um, you know, this jobs number was very good. It wasn't super hot. It wasn't anything that, that says, okay, we just need to, you know, turn off the lights and everyone needs to take a nap. Um, but it wasn't cold either that shows that, okay, we put too many market forces in place to cause a, a, a severe contraction or quick contraction of our economy. So I think if we just continue to stay the course and over the next month, if we continue to see the reads on um, CPI and inflation come in in, in tandem, um, and if we see gas prices um, kind of stymie and stay at this current level, maybe drift down a little bit lower, um, then I think the, the Fed will stay the course, you know, with their mandate. Um, however, if, if we do see a significant change in um, energy prices and food prices to the standpoint of, of a downward revision, if, if we see gas prices shift down closer um, to the $3 a gallon um, and maybe under, you know, on a national level, um, that will be a seismic change over the next 30 days. Um, that could be something that could be looked at and understood that is there um, supply and demand forces that are causing those gas prices to go down, such as are people not out driving as much? Um, is there a change in the employment situation to cause this demand to, to shift in the opposite direction? So if, if we see those catalysts take place, I think we would be uh, in a camp of belief that there would be a, a – um, a move away from that 75 basis points of a hike and, and closer towards maybe that 50 basis points and, and maybe some other market functions that can come into play to kind of help, uh, you know, the Federal Reserve meet its mandate. So uh, what um, – I guess what I want to know also, too, is about Ukraine or, or any other, um, I guess you could say, outside factors. Uh, is that really um, having any impact in terms of what's going on here in, in the U.S.? Uh, it, it has an impact, an underlying impact on, on what's going on in the U.S., but the, the headline news as a result of it has um, more so faded. And it, it's, it doesn't have the, the initial impact or, you know, the, the stance of it is not driving at this point um, energy prices as it did back in February, March, and, and in May, things of that time frame. Um, so 
you know, it's still a geopolitical event that's there. It's still a, a humanitarian event that is, is still there and present. That's something that we will continue to to have to work our way through um, over uh, over the foreseeable future. Unfortunately, there is no end date or nothing in sight as to when this conflict will, will end. So it, it will continue um, to to plague our economy or continue to create a drag on our economy, but it hasn't um, been to the point where we're seeing a significant setback in our economic growth um, and things of that nature. Uh, I wanted to ask about a quick tip with regards to the holidays. Um, you know, I mean, I know some people did their Christmas and July shopping, but some people didn't, and the holidays are going to be upon us before you know it. Um, uh, do you have any tips in terms of maybe setting aside uh, some money? Um, you know, I know some people like to do layaway for those places that still have it, um, it but that may not necessarily be the best for you, it may be, just be better to go ahead and, and plan and set aside some funds, right? Yeah, and I, I always suggest saving. Um, you know, saving for you know, special in, 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 engagements or special occasions, saving for retirement, saving for the future. You know, it, there there's power in saving. And the thing that I would suggest, you know, I guess by way of a tip is, you know, whatever it is that you're saving for, um, try not to focus on the the short term, for example, the days that you're saving. I was speaking with a client mm-hmm. earlier today that um, that recently, you know, left her, her job, so lost her, you know, left her 401K and didn't have that and, and became an independent contractor. An individual started investing on their own and putting money aside just like they were with a 401K plan, but just started putting money into – uh, a separate Roth IRA account that was established in May. Um, established at the end of May, and they started putting money in there. It was only taking 5% out of their income. Um, so not a whole lot that they're missing, but just 5% out of their income. Um, between then and now, the individual has saved $2,600, and that money is invested. And I was actually talking with her earlier today, and I said, did you miss that $2,600? That's $2,600. That, and that's a lot of money, you know, that is a, a lot of money. I said, did you miss it? Did anything in your life change? And, and it was like, no, I didn't even realize it was that much. Um, and she said, I hadn't even looked at it. I just know that I every two weeks I get paid and then I have X amount going to the account. Um, so that's my, that's my suggestion for everyone out there. You know, sometimes when you're saving, you can see whatever's coming out of your check, if it's in a 401K, or you can say, okay, I put this money aside, you know, I have a hundred less dollars in my account this month or whatever the case may be. But when you take a step back, let the money work, let it save, um, look at it five months from now, look at it six months from now, consistently save that money. Um, you'll be surprised as, as to what you have. You know, that, that individual right there, um, if they want to go on a cruise or something with their family at the end of the year, they have $2,600 that they've put into an account that they were able to save up at that time. And that's without appreciation or growth of those assets mm-hmm. being invested. So, you know, it's, it, it happens quickly, you know, and um, it's, it's a great thing that to definitely start saving now for potentially higher costs when it comes to 
the holidays. I know my wife, she likes for us to all have our our Christmas pajamas all together. So this is the perfect time to start shopping for those and <laughs> trying to find those deals now uh, ahead of that time frame. Paul, how do we reach you? You can reach me on all social media at under Warwick Shore Advisors. That's W-A-R-W-I-C-K, Shore Advisors. And um, you can reach us at 407-440-3642. And you can find us on the web at warwickshore.com. Thank you, Paul. Really appreciate it. Have a blessed Labor Day weekend with your family. Thanks. Appreciate your time. Talk to you next month. Thanks. And thank you all for listening. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Be well. Be blessed. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. And please remember, all willpower comes from God. Take care.